I want to I want to share with you. Let's uh, we're going to go to Hebrews chapter four once again, and I want to call. I'm calling this shaped by the word part two, because uh, we began this teaching last week, and and the Lord just was stirring in me. Um, just the value of having the Word of God be the, the thing that shapes our, us, shapes our attitude, shapes our vision, shapes our, our, our confidence, shapes everything within us. You know, even in the midst of... Uh, the, 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 I was thinking about that song, that uh, the first song that we did there with uh, Raise a Hallelujah. It brought me back to a place whenever... Um, in about 2000, uh, the year 2000, uh, we'd been in Arkansas. We were at a, a large church over there. I was the associate pastor, full-time ministry. We were, we felt like we were being groomed to take that big church, and and that was kind of the path that we thought we were taking. And then the Lord began to direct us back here, and and uh, you know. Um, on, on in that tr in that process, uh, we we were you know just trusting God and and I can tell you for ever since uh, Sue and I were, were first married we we chose we decided we were going to follow God we were going to pursue Him and 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 our, build our faith on the Word of God and and allow that to be the thing that gave us uh, our our security and confidence and so that meant that regardless of how much money we made or or what what the job was or what was before us we were. Gonna to trust God, and so uh, when when we left here and and uh, which was Watonga at the time on the ranch, and we we ventured off to Stillwater, and then we ended up in Russellville, Arkansas, for four years, and and as we were coming back here, that whole transition was uh, was a, a very difficult time. But so so valuable in in our developing of our faith because we went from that that uh, you know that new home that we just built that that secure position in in the church uh, to uh, pretty much nothing. We 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 rented a place in Tulsa, you know, following the leadership of God, and and uh, uh, I had a I had about oh maybe a couple of places to go preach. And so I was going to travel and, and preach and just following God. And, and uh, well, you know, I figured out I, I, one, one of the great places we got called to was a little church over in, uh, was it a little to Muskogee? And so we left Tulsa and, and uh, we drove over to Muskogee and, and we went to this little church. And man, I mean, you know, they were glad to see us and everything. And we, we, I preached and, and gave them the word. And, you know, there was 25 people there, 20 maybe there, whatever it was. And, I lo and that, that was back when we, uh, the, all four kids were still at home. We had our... No, three. We only had three. Kenzie wasn't born yet. We only had three, but uh, they were they were there, and and you know we we had our old suburban, and uh, you talk about old suburban. It was a like a '79 model, and that was in about 2000. Now it might have been not. Yeah, I think it was that old. It was old. It was one of the square ones. Anyway, we bought that thing because we thought we couldn't afford the car. We were you know we had a new minivan, a pretty new minivan, and we thought, oh my gosh, we can't afford that $300 payment or whatever it was, and so we sold it and paid cash. We got this, you know, and so we're driving over there gas guzzler you know we get over there and I preach and they gave me like $36 and 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 I thought oh thank you Jesus thank you Lord you're my provider and so that was the offering and then we went out to eat and they said well let's go to eat so we thought oh great at least we get a lunch out of this yeah we we look up and they're all gone and and they didn't pay they didn't pay our bill and for me and our three kids and so you know we we, we dated a pizza place and but you know, I laugh about that a little bit. But see, that was some of those things. And you, but you know, here's our attitude. 
It was we raised a hallelujah and just laughed and just trusted God in the midst of that as we drove back to Tulsa saying, God, I thank you for the faith that provided at every phase and every step of our, of our life following you. You make a way where there is no way. You make provision. And so we just smiled and laughed at each other. I just remember we didn't, we didn't knock them. We didn't get mad at them. We didn't write them a nasty letter back. We, we said, Lord, bless that church. And, uh, and so then we drove on back. When we got back, I, I just remember, you know, those, that was only, we were only there about four months, but that, that growth that happened during that time, because we had about a $360 payment on our house. I mean, we'd financed it way down low and we'd built a couple of homes, flipped, didn't, you know, anyway, we were, we were, we were doing it very inexpensive. We didn't have that much money financed. So man, our, you know, our, our payment wasn't much, but when we got to Tulsa, what you could rent for $360, you, I didn't want to take my family there. So, I mean, we were paying like $850 a month rent. And uh, this was, this, you'd think, why would you do that? Uh, well, I asked myself that same question. But in the midst of it, I mean, there we are. And so we're trusting God. And so in the midst of that, we're raising that hallelujah. We're praising God. But it's because since, since 1986, when she and I got married and we committed our lives to God, we took this word and allowed it to shape us. Now, I'm not saying we were perfect in that. I'm not saying that there aren't times that we, we falter in our faith or our trust and our, 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 our following of God's word. But in the midst of those times... What's going, to, what's going to be the thing that stands out? When you're squeezed, what comes out? When you're squeezed, is it praise God? We're going, you're going, how are you going to provide this time? You know, you, you see those types of things, and then you see the, the manifestation of God's glory and the provision that He has. And it, it just excites me. I, I, I remember standing there in uh, one of those churches on a Wednesday night, and they were doing praise and worship. It was a huge church, you know. There was on Wednesday night. There was probably six or eight hundred people there, and and you know Sunday mornings they ran thousand or twelve hundred or something like that. And so I'm standing. Nobody knew me. No, nobody. No, nobody. I, I. They didn't even acknowledge me when I came in. Uh, they had greeters and everything, but I mean, they, it was like I'd been there like three times, and they they didn't know who I was. I could have been offended, you know. If if you've been here several times and I can't remember your name, don't be offended. Just know that I I struggle with remembering names. I'm terrible. But you know what? Here's the thing. I walked in that place not to receive from them, but to tap into the Word of God. And I remember standing there like this, going, God, I trust you. That came from being shaped by the Word. That's why I teach these types of things, because these are the, these are the ways. And, and see, the challenge doesn't end. I remember uh, just last week driving, and, and, you know, like I do a lot because the cattle are up at Nash and the homes there and the churches are over here. And anyway, we live on the northeast edge of Enid, so, you know, it's a drive. It's so my wonderful time of prayer, a wonderful time of connection with God, but it's also my time to reflect. And I remember hearing uh, and, and thinking about, and God challenged me, what are you speaking over your situations right now? Reminding me, the preacher. See, i got to do the same thing you got to do. So what is shaping my, my thoughts, my imaginations, my heart, my confessions, the words that I, that I speak? See, because here's the thing. Words are going to shape us. Let's make sure it's God's Word. Let, let's make sure it's not the newscast. Let's, let's make sure it's not the, the limitations of the world. Let's, ma let's make sure it's not the negative family members or, or people who say, well, you, you want to stand with God. And so 
uh, if you'll put up the Amplified Translation of, of Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. I love this, and I'm going to read it out of the, uh, I've got the NIV with me here. I'm going to read it, but, but I want us to read it together out of, uh, like we did last week, out of the Amplified Translation. In, in the uh, Hebrews 4.12 out of the NIV, says, if I can find it here, For the Word of God is alive and active, and sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints of marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Now the Word of God, notice it says the Word of God is alive and active. And, and I love this, how it, how it reads out of the Amplified Translation. It says, For the Word that God speaks is alive and full of power. Let's pause right there and just, just let that resonate for a minute and, and think about that because it says the Word of God. So we know the Word of God is, is powerful. We know the Word of God is, is God's words. It's eternal, all those things. But then note how it says that He speaks is alive and full of power. See, I, I used the example last week of, of when Peter, in Matthew chapter 16, when Peter heard for the first time, it wasn't the first time he, it had been talked about. It wasn't the first time it had been stated, but it was the first time he heard Jesus the Messiah because Jesus asked the question, who do you say I am? Who's, who do you say? He said, who do people say I am? And then he said, who do you say I am? And Peter just pops out, pops up, blurts out, you're the Messiah. You're the Son of the living God. You're Jesus. You're the Messiah. And you, know, you remember Jesus' response, and I'm trying not to turn there for the sake of time, but Jesus' response was, you didn't get this from flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. See, here's the thing. He heard something. It became alive. It became active. It transformed Peter. Now, Peter quickly fell back into the flesh and tried to tell Jesus what he was and wasn't going to do, and Jesus called him Satan and said, get behind me. <laughs> well, he said, Satan, get behind me. But here's, here's the point. He heard the Word, it became alive and active. See, that's what that's, that's talking about, that Word that speaks. See, God challenges me and I challenge you to always go back to the Word of God and be reminded, let it speak on a regular basis. See, the way we're shaped by the Word, I'm, my high call ministry uh, morning Bible study this, this week is going to be uh, writing on your heart. Talking about how we take the Word of God and we allow it, write it on, a, on our heart. See, that begins to shape us. See, when I was first uh, walking with the Lord and I, and I would get up every morning and I'd, I'd begin to uh, study the Word of God and I'd spend time in the Word of God and I'd spend time in prayer, always making that time regardless of, of what, had, or what I had going on. When I began to do that, I took the Word of God, not as a ritual, but as a fellowship with Him, and I allowed Him to speak through that Word. That's why I don't worry about preaching something you've heard before. Or, or preaching something that I've taught before. Because it being living and active, as it begins to, as you begin to hear it, it's amazing how you can hear something and hear something and hear something, and all of a sudden, bam, you hear it. I, I, as, a pre, as a pastor, you know, I, I could pre, teach a series, talk about something, I mean, spend all the time giving you all the different directions to see it, and then once in a while I have somebody go, you know, I was listening to so-and-so, and they said this, and I went... And they were all excited about it. I'm like, oh, really? You do realize I have a series on that. <laughs> you, you do realize I've taught that before. But see, what was the difference? 
See, I had Pete said, oh, Boyd said, told me the other day, he said, man, I wish I'd have found you 35 years ago. He said, why? Because it's not like it's the first time he ever heard the word, but God's speaking into his life through the word of God in a way that he'd never, never before received. See, it's not, it's, not for, it's not for me to take glory in that. It's that when we're in an environment that's anointed, that's why it's so important that we come in with that attitude of expectancy and worship God because the anointing draws the, draws the word out. And you can be sitting right there and me talking about something that, that maybe I've preached a hundred times and, and yet the word being living all of a sudden speaks in a way that, that, that shapes us, molds us, changes us, transforms us. Because the, the word of, that God speaks is alive and full of power. Now notice this, making it active, operative, energizing, effective, I'm, I'm telling you, when I, when I think about the Word of God and I value that, that's why everything we do, everything we look at, everything we pray, everything we, we uh, believe should be shaped by and, and, and uh, developed through the Word of God and in line with it. But what, what stood out to me as I read this again this morning is that we read that written Word we take that written word, that thing, this, this word, this logos that's written out, but then we allow it to speak. Because notice in the Amplified, in the, in the Amplified, he says, the word, you could, you could read it out as the NIV, it just says the word of God is alive and active. This says for the word that God speaks. See, it, it doesn't change, I mean, one's not wrong, but just that little understanding, that little thing. So, so let me ask you something. Is the Word of God speaking to you? Is the Word of God, when you read the Word, are you just going through a, a habit? Do you, do you just do it? Now, habits are good. That's a good habit to have. Open the Word of God every day. It's a good habit to have. But I always tell people when, when you're doing your devotion, when you're reading, don't just worry about getting through it. You know, some of you are so, you know, you're structural, you're, you're administrative, you're, you're all, you're, you're detail oriented and you start something, you want to finish it and you feel like you've failed sometimes if you're not careful, if you, if you don't get, if you're, you set out a goal to, I'm going to read a chapter and by God, I got to read a chapter. And if you run out of time, you just rush through it, right? Has anybody ever, anybody ever do that? See, we can do it that way or we can stop and make sure we give God time. I tell people, don't worry about reading volumes of stuff but make sure you hear what you're, what you're reading, what God's saying in the midst of it. So we take that word and, and we allow it to begin to shape us. Now notice he, he goes on, he says, it's operative, energizing, effective. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating to the dividing line of the breath of life soul, so our soul, and the immortal spirit, and of the joints and the marrow of the deepest parts of our nature. Now notice that he, he, he separates our soul, soul and spirit and he, and he brings it down to the deepest parts of our very nature, exposing and sifting and analyzing and judging the very thoughts and purposes of our heart. You know, here's the thing. I, we should be challenged always. God, search out. Search out my motives. Search out my pur the purposes of my heart. Search out the thoughts and sift through them. Analyze them. Judge them. You know, sometimes the Word of God's kind of, it, it'll correct you. It'll jerk the slack out of you. It, it, it'll, it'll cause you to, 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 it'll catch you sometimes. If we let it, and you know what? That's the best thing. 
Sometimes it's, it's not always fun to be corrected, right? We don't like that. I don't like that. Do you like that? Except that we want to be better. You know, it's, it's, it's better for a coach to, to tell you what you need to hear. It's better for a coach to, to, uh, to offer change as long as they're not tearing you down without building you up also. One of my mentors, whenever I um, began in ministry, uh, I was a youth pastor in a church, and, and this guy had been a, a seminary professor, and you know, and he he taught and everything, and, and I was wanting to go to Bible college. He said, "I'll teach you everything that you can you need to know without that time." And uh, but he he would he would tell me how they would you know preach a sermon, and all the other all the other students or young preachers would just rip it to shreds, tear it down. Well, he was really good at that. He'd let me preach or let me bring something out or I'd talk about something. Man, he would absolutely tear me to the ground with everything I did. And But then he'd always bring it, bring and build me back up. He'd always bring it back to the point of here's what, we, here's what needs to happen. And so it was, it was difficult at times, but it was in the end it was beneficial. And that's what the Word of God can do. It can separate. See, because here's, here's what is more valuable to us than anything is for us to hear and understand and know what it is needs to be corrected, what needs to be changed. You see, uh, if I could take the Word of God and hear it, that's exactly what it does. You know, that's what I needed to hear in the midst of the, that time where we were, we were trying to figure out how we were going to get through the, to the next, keep the lights on how we were going to pay the next bill. It was, it was the coolest thing because we, we gathered together, Sue and I gathered together, and we said, you know, we, we prayed. There wasn't any safety net. There wasn't anybody going to bail us out. There wasn't any, well, I mean, family would have helped if we'd asked, but, but we were trusting God. And you know what God did? He supplied. It didn't always come in ahead of time. It didn't always come in more than enough at, the, at times. But you know what? There wasn't long before it was more than enough. It wasn't long than it, than it was providing. But during that time, we grew, and it was what we needed. God uh, protecting us, taking care of us, guiding, directing us. See, I want you to, uh, I want you to look at uh, Luke. Let's look at Luke chapter 4. We'll just jump ahead of this because I want you to see what a difference the Word being heard makes. You know, Jesus came, we all know that, that Jesus came as the Son of God. We, we understand and know that, that Jesus, being the Son of God, being able to uh, come into the earth and, and still operate as God, but choosing to set aside that deity power to operate as a man, here in, uh, he'd, he'd uh, been through... This was the beginning of his ministry. He uh, went into the, been baptized by John the Baptist. He's 30 years old, roughly 30 years old. He goes into the wilderness. He's tempted the devil. He defeats the devil. Comes in at the beginning of his ministry. He, in verse 16, uh, he went into Nazareth at where he was brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written. And I'm reading this out of the... NIV here it says in verse 18, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners, to recover the recovery of sight for the blind, to set up uh, the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now he took a, a Old Testament scripture 
something that they'd all known. They were raised. He's in the synagogue. They were taught, raised. They knew that the Messiah was going to come. They also knew Isaiah. You know, Isaiah was one of those prophets. He'd preach directly to their day, and he also then would prophesy of things to come. He'd, he'd talk about Jesus. And so a lot of times there was that dual prophecy or that dual uh, understanding there. But here Jesus reads this scripture. Just so happens. What a coincidence. No. God knew exactly what was going to take place. And he, he rolls it up in verse 20. He says, Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began to say to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now, you've got to understand something. that they read, He read something that was familiar to them. When, when the first time they'd heard Isaiah 61, he read it, and he didn't tell them up front, hey, I'm the Messiah. This is fulfilled. Here, I'm going to show you what's being fulfilled. No, he read it, but something happened. It caught their attention. It, it, it grabbed them because all the eyes were fastened on him. It, it wasn't uh, anything out of the ordinary for somebody to stand up, the different men to stand up, to, to, to read to the, out from the scroll to, to the congregation, to those that were there. But all of a sudden, something happened differently. See, because Jesus, the carpenter, son, carpenter's son, Jesus, the man, Jesus still the Son of God, but, but seen on earth as a man, had been baptized in the River Jordan. God spoke, the, the, this is my beloved Son in whom I, well, I am well pleased. He went into the wilderness. He 40 days had fasted. He defeated the devil on every, uh, on every front. And he came into the, to, into the synagogue when he read that scripture. There was something different came on him. There was something different came out of him. There was something different the way they saw him. And, I, and I'm, I, I'm, I'm convinced that they were all looking at him. And then he began to say. See, then he began to speak. He said, today this is fulfilled in your hearing. See, it was in their hearing, but they didn't hear. See, read verse 22. It says, all spoke well of him and were amazed at his gracious words. Well, they said, well, bless his heart. Isn't, isn't, isn't Jesus just so, isn't his gracious words, wasn't he eloquent? I, I, have, I have people say that all the time about me. <laughs> no, they don't. Say, so isn't he country? Probably. But you know what? Here's the thing. The anointing of God was upon those words. But see, they, they, were, they, they got a glimpse of it, and then they got caught up in the delivery or they got caught up in the who he was. And they said the gracious words that came from his lips. But then they immediately switched and they said, but isn't this Joseph's son? Hmm. Isn't this that carpenter's boy? See, it, it went in their, in their ears, but it didn't go into their spirit, their spiritual ears. They didn't hear it. Jesus said to them, surely you quote this proverb, me, physician, heal yourself, and you'll tell me, do here in your hometown what you have heard or what we have heard that you did in Capernaum. In other words, I'm just looking for a sign. Truly, I tell you, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel and in Elijah's time where the sky was shut up for three and a half years. There were severe famines throughout the land, yet Elijah was sent 
wasn't sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. In other words, another uh, uh, Gentile nation. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha, the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. And all the people in the synagogue were furious with him when they heard this. See, they didn't hear the fact that he was... They, 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 they missed 18 and 19 where the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to, to open the eyes. They didn't, they didn't hear all the good news. All they heard was, you're not receiving, not hearing. I mean, he was, he was giving them the correction. And they got furious. See, they, they heard with their flesh ears instead of, their, instead of hearing God. So we've got a challenge. I have a challenge to use. Hear God speak. When we read the Word of God, God, what are you saying? When, when we get ready to pray, what has God said? When we get ready to uh, analyze our life and look at the, the situations that are before us, God, what do you say about those things? So how are we shaped by the Word? And I, I, I touched on this last week. Uh, so I'm just going to reference it, but it, shaped, it shapes our image. How are we shaped by the Word? It shapes our image. It shapes how we see the world. See, we need to allow the Word of God to shape how we see the world. We need to see the, allow the Word of God to shape what we see before us. Too many times we listen to, 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 to uh, and, and are influenced by things that aren't from God's Word. We need to be like Jesus, Matthew 9, 36 and 37. Jesus was moved with compassion. He saw Him as sheep with no shepherd. He, he, he began to heal. He began to care for them. But I want us to look at Romans chapter 3. And uh, another thing that's very, very important, and we touched on this a little bit last week. But the other thing that the Word of God begins to do and how the Word of God begins to shape us is He begins to shape our image, the image of ourself. In... Uh, <clears throat> We can, I guess we can read verse 21 as well. Romans 3, 21 says, but, but now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference between the Jew and the Gentile for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement, therefore the shedding of His blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate His righteousness because in His forbearance He left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate His righteousness at present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. In those verses, we see several key words. We see, uh, for all, Jesus Christ covered for all. We also see justified by grace. We see the, the redemption. We see that we receive it by faith. In, the, in, that, in those words, we need to have an understanding of the value of those words because it shapes our image of how we see ourselves. Now, there's two ways of looking at this. 
And I want to challenge a little bit of something that, that I hear a lot, is I hear the, the statement a lot of times, well, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that's very true. That's a true word. We've all sinned fallen short of the glory of God. It's very true. But here's what I'd, I'd like, want you to focus on. Develop that mentality and that understanding that we're justified so that I don't identify or have the image of one who has sinned and is sinning. Allow the Word of God to continue to carry you through into the understanding that you are justified. See, because here's the thing. While we've sinned, yes, we're also forgiven. By grace, we've been saved and we receive that. I want you to see yourself as one who's justified, forgiven, and able to access or, or approach the throne of God boldly. We got to receive. Thank God we've, we've in that, that condition that we've sinned. Remember, Jesus said He came with the good news to provide salvation, received by grace, and that, that through that sacrifice of His blood gives us the ability to be called children of God, to be forgiven, to be restored, to be justified, which enables us to come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and help in time of need. See, make sure the Word, you see that in the completeness. We don't ever want to leave out any of that Word. We don't have to leave out for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Just don't stop there. See, just don't stop there. Also take hold of that Word of God that says, I'm justified. I'm forgiven. I've, I'm saved. And for all, when we've made Jesus Lord, when we've received Him, not just because you go to church, not just because you're born in a Christian family, but when we've believed in Him, we received Him as our Lord, it shapes us. See, we're no longer guilty. That was the blessing uh, of Jesus coming and, and declaring the, the freedom that He uh, of those that were oppressed. The freedom from the sin. That means that, that then we can take the shape, the Word of God that shapes us from Romans 8.1 that says there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Thank God we can receive that and not be condemned, not, be that, not receive that banishing judgment, but we can, uh, we can come boldly into, his, into, his, uh, into the position, in the place that, that He would have us to be. So it's we, we need to remember who's, who we are and whose we are. That's obviously not on our own. It, he goes on to say, don't be boasting about how good you are. You know, don't, don't, don't get caught up in that mess. It's only by His grace. It's only by His mercy and only by His love. But, but I challenged you with these questions last week. I said, question one, when, when, when a title that identifies you as a person, both good or bad, is stripped away, will the title of Christian still stand? See, that, that, needs to be our, that needs to be the question. You know, I asked somebody, uh, or, or I've, I've heard this and asked you this before, but I, somebody, uh, I, don't, I don't even know where this originated, but it said if, there was a, if you were on trial for being a Christian, is there enough evidence to convict you? You know, here's the thing. I tell people all the time, we live or we work in a, in a rough world sometimes. Some of you work in, a, in you know, uh, areas or around people, and you're, you're, you're in a, a, an environment that's very worldly and very difficult. And, and sometimes it's, it's, it's hard to let your light shine. Sometimes it's hard to walk perfectly. Sometimes you're dealing with a lot of things, and you, you blow up, you get mad, or you say something, or you get caught up in something, or you do something. And you know what? Here's the thing. We, we, need, to be, uh, we need to walk godly before the world. 
but I also know that we're not going to always hit the mark. I know that we're also not always going to do that perfectly. You know what all that God asks for us to do is be repentant. I never see in the Bible where anybody failed and didn't receive God's grace, His mercy, His forgiveness, His restoration if they repented. And so, you know, the thing is, when we fail, when we make those mistakes, when we, when we miss it, we run to God instead of from God. And when we run God, to God and repent, that's powerful. But you know what? Sometimes it requires also that we run to the people that we failed in front of and ask their forgiveness as well. You know, whenever we do blow it, we haven't blown our opportunity to continue to demonstrate godliness. Because what is that? It's the ability to admit wrong, to repent, and to turn and change. Now, if you just keep doing it over and over again, it's going to look hypocritical. But here's the thing. When we, when we fail, we come back to God. When we fail, we restore relationships. When we, when we continue to walk in that way, what are we doing? We're demonstrating God, the power of God's Word at work shaping who we are whose we are, and how we respond. And so the, the awesome thing is that we can maintain that title of a Christian, a Christ-like one, but we got we got to walk in and, and allow the Word to shape us in those things. Second question was this, where does the title of Christian fall in the list of your identities? See, <clears throat> if, we're, if we're only a Christian on Sunday, then, then that can be a problem. Now, I don't think that's the case here. I, th I think most all of you, I, I know most of you well enough that you do a pretty good job of this. And listen, again, this is not for condemnation. This is a challenge to say, okay, God, ask yourself the honest question. Okay, God, how can I be a, a better example before those that are around me? Do you know that life lived is the most powerful thing you can do? More than what you say, it's, more, it's, it's how you live and what you do. So... You can ask yourself that question, and you can go before God with that an honest, honest question and say, God, help me to walk this out. I remember being a Christian, trying to serve God. I was trying hard. I was working at it just like I do everything else. You know, just work ethic, you know, just just dig in and grit your teeth, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to, you know, and I, I'm, boy, I'm working hard at it. And normally working hard gets you something, right? Gets you somewhere. But I'd be working hard at living for God and loving, and I'm so twisted and, and wore out from trying to do that, that when that cow kicked me, there's a boop, you know, a bleep, a bleep, a bleep, bleep. And then, and then you get mad and you bleep, a bleep, bam, and throw something. And I know none of you ever act like that, but, but you know, <clears throat> you, 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 I mean, we've done started sinning now. We just as well get it all out, right? <laughs> And so, and so, uh, uh, or, or you know, you get anyway. There's a lot of ways that you can fall, and it could be something else, something that nobody else sees but you. But here's the here's the thing: you come back to God, and you and you turn around, and you know what? It's a progressive thing, and you begin to work at it. But what I had to learn to do was to allow God to make those changes, and me quit working at it, and then allowing the Word to shape me. So you know what I did? I went before the Word of God, and I said, God, there's fruit. There's nine of them. And I began to say, God, your word says to love. That's a fruit of the Holy Spirit, love. I can walk in love. No, you can't, not without the help of the Holy Spirit. Somebody made a comment on, I saw a post that was talking about they were failing in, in, in fulfilling those things. I said it takes a supernatural power from the inside to, to walk that out. 
And you know what? That, that helps you. That, that gr grows in you. It begins to shape you. I said, okay, good God, I'm going to begin to walk in love. And you know what the devil will do? Anytime, let me just challenge you with this and, and help you understand this. Anytime you commit to serve God, the devil doesn't like it. Remember that. I don't know how many people in the last three years have said, oh, I'm with you, Pastor. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to serve. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Or I ask somebody to do something. And then, bam, I mean, their life gets slammed with stuff. Now, not all bad stuff, just busy and tied up. And, you know, I'm going to commit, and then, then pretty soon they're, they're unable to be at church anymore, or they're unable to do it, or, or whatever it be. Listen, understand, when you make a commitment to God, you leave it. When you make a commitment to serve God, you leave the devil mad. He, he doesn't like it. So he's going to come along. You say, well, I ain't going to serve God then. I don't want to make the devil mad. No, you got victory over him. You, you, can, you can do it. But I began to take the Word of God, and I began to say, God, I thank you. Love, I'm going to walk in that. I'm going to, love in, I'm going to walk in peace. I'm going to walk in kindness. I'm going to walk in goodness. Love, joy. Oh, I forgot about joy. Uh, Father, I thank you that I'm going to have joy. Do you know what? If you decide you're going to walk in joy, oh, man. Man, the devil will challenge you to do everything he can to steal your joy. You start walking, people say, oh, don't ask for patience. I mean, there'll be some serious, you'll have every challenge in the world come against you. Yes, and you're up for every challenge. Bring it. See, because how do we get better? We, we beat the challenge. See, so we <laughs> you decide you're going to walk in patience? I mean, every slow person in the world gets in front of you. You decide you're going to walk in patience. You know, you're trying to fix something and it won't fix. That nut won't start. You know, whatever it is, patience. And then, you know what? You ought to just smile and laugh when you realize, I must be on the right path because the devil's really trying to stop me. See, see, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. I'm going to walk in kindness. And you're going to have people try to cheat you in business. You're going to have people try to steal from you. You're going to have that coworker that's going to try to get you written up or something. I'm going to walk in kindness. See, we, we, and remember, when we fail, we're going to come back to it. We're going to walk in it. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, meekness, faith. And then there's that one self-control. I'm going to walk in self-control. I'm going to control my emotions. I'm going to control my thoughts. I'm going to control my words. Self-control. But see, understand something. Even though he says self-control, you can't even do that one on your own. you got to have the help of the Holy Spirit. you got to allow the Word to shape you. So what did I do? I began to walk in those, and with every one of those, I would take a Scripture, and that's what we're going to talk about in my morning Bible study this week, is how we write that on the table of the heart to shape our word, to, to shape our life, to shape those characteristics, to change me from being volatile temper to at peace and calm. Do I get mad every once in a while? Yeah, cattle, horses, they'll do it to you. People, not so much. But I'm telling you what, referees, though, I mean, that's a whole different story. <laughs> they'll get you. Especially if you've got a kid playing, right? Or your team is, you know, okay. But we make a decision. God, I'm going to be shaped by your word. And we take a word and we begin to write it on a table of our heart. We begin to speak it. We begin to make it our prayer. We begin to add that to our prayer. And then, you know what we do when we open it and we look at it? We allow God to speak it, make it alive, living, active, energizing, and effective. Make it all those things 
to change and transform our heart. You know, as we close, get ready to close, uh, you know, the challenge, the last question, I think I wrote down another question here. Is there anything worth, worth having that would cost you the title of a Christian? You know, Jesus said, if we lose our whole soul, if we gain the whole world but lose our soul, man, there's nothing. There's nothing. Many times I've had to make a choice that cost me to live for God. It cost me for a moment. It cost me in the natural, but I never lost spiritually. And God was always faithful to restore anything I gave up, anything I sacrificed. I'll guarantee you, you let, you let things pass. You, you, let, you let things go and trust God and he'll make it, he'll make it, he'll, he'll make it up. He'll make it up. He'll supply. If it meant, anyway. So let's pray. Father, we just come before you today. and We thank and we praise you that we want to be shaped by the word. I believe that everybody that's here and everybody who's watching and everybody who will watch, that Father God, I thank you and I praise you that they're brought to this for that understanding that Lord, your, your word is given to, to shape and mold us. But it's also given to be that living and alive word that, that transforms our, our every, the every part of our being to divide between joints and marrow, spirit and soul. Now, Father God, I pray that you look at each one of our hearts. And Lord, for everybody here who's a believer and, and maybe who's slipped in a few areas, maybe who's, who's needing to reestablish some things. I don't, there, there's never an end to the opportunities, as long as we're alive and breathing, to realign and rededicate that, those, those purposes, those goals, those things of our heart. And Lord, I thank you that when we seek you, we find you. When we knock, you, you open that door to us. And Father God, I thank you that for each one of us who are calling out to you to, to give us those things that are needed, I thank you that you'll provide. Lord God, I praise you, and I thank you also for those that, that could be watching or those that could be sitting here that have not made Jesus Christ Lord of their life and never secured their, their place in eternity, that, Lord God, you would, you would just draw them by, by your Holy Spirit to know that if they can confess the Lord Jesus, that he is Lord, that they can repent or ask forgiveness and demonstrate that need. Call upon the name of the Lord that they'll be saved. And Father, I pray that they'd make that choice, that decision to, to move in that direction, to contact us, to get a hold of me, to meet with me, to pray. And Father, for any who are, who are needing to uh, develop that confidence, I thank you, Father God, that you'll put us together. Lord God, I just pray that today that, today that it will take this word and walk out of here changed and that, Lord, you'll continue to help us to, to, to be better as we, go, as we move forward. We thank you. We praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.